So welcome to a new episode of Pocket Guide AI, Artificial Intelligence for Executives. My name is Ansgar Bittermann, and I'm the CEO of Goldblum Consulting in Berlin, Germany. At Goldblum, we are specialized in AI project management, enterprise architecture uh, for zero digital transformation, and we help uh, you bridge the gap between your existing IT and the business goals you want to achieve. Before we start with our uh, today's session, why aren't you getting more from your marketing AI? We have a group of panelists here today, and I would just um, like to um, give you the opportunity as panelists before I introduce my guest speaker today um, to just tell the audience who you are. I'm Isao Kobayashi uh, from Japan. Uh, today's theme is very interesting because I also consult on network system and service creation for large telecommunication companies. So it's very interesting. Thank you. Hi, uh, my name is Satya. Uh, I am from Toronto, Canada. I am an enterprise architect by profession. And uh, yeah, it's a great topic to be on today. And uh, thanks for having me, Ansgar. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Renoir. I am very excited to today's discussion. I'm a management consulting consultant working in the Middle East. I've worked on various uh, strategy, policy, program management, and transformation projects for different private sector as well as government clients. So then it's my turn. I'm Anna Melbinger. I'm from Munich, Germany, and a colleague of Nicole, who's speaking later. I'm a managing consulting at Xenium IG, and I'm also focusing on AI and data science topics in my daily work. My name is Norbert Clemens, uh, heading robotics and artificial intelligence in large German healthcare company. Um, my name is Markus. I'm uh, from Munich, Germany. I'm a co-worker of Nicole and Anna. And uh, so I'm also working as a consultant at Xenium. Um, currently, I'm working as a product manager, but I have a little bit of background in AI uh, because of being trained as a statistical physicist. <laughs> thank you very much, panelists. And I'm looking forward to all your questions after our talk. And uh, thank you, Nicole Weidner, uh, our guest speaker today. Nicole is an associate partner at Ximium. Uh, it's a project and IT consultant uh, company here in Germany. And uh, Nicole has been uh, on our expert panel um, for quite a while, since the beginning. And uh, I'm very looking forward to today's talk of you. Why aren't you getting more from your marketing AI? So thank you, Nicole, for coming today. Uh, thanks a lot for, for this introduction. So uh, the article I'm uh, talking about today, I um, found it during, the, during our summer break. I was uh, reading the Harvard Business Review and uh, the latest issue, the uh, July and August issue, uh, had, an, yeah, I think, a focus on AI. AI and marketing especially. And there are two articles in it that I found quite interesting. The first is more uh, about why, especially in marketing, there are so many AI applications, which could be another uh, topic to uh, to have another session about, <laughs> about these articles. But I chose the second one for today, uh, which is... Um, Yeah, the common mistakes uh, you you might run into if you if you start your AI um, projects and what you can do about it. So um, it was a really good read, and I wanted to share it here with you uh, and uh, see if you can contribute uh, your experience and uh, let's have a, a discussion about it. So um, as I already pointed out the article 
I, I would say it uh, it has two parts. The first one is um, having having a look at these uh, common mistakes that uh, happen in AI projects, and then it offers, uh, let's say, a framework how to overcome them. Um, let's first look at the common mistakes uh, that that are pointed out. Um, I will also uh, go into the yeah, let's say the uh, the examples that are given, uh, which are usually marketing specific, but I, um, from my perspective, would also make it a broader, um, yeah, broader idea that this does not only apply to marketing AI projects, but to AI projects in general. Um, yeah, but let's let's stay at the marketing point of view for for the beginning and check the common mistakes they uh, they offer. So the first one is um, that maybe not the right questions are asked to start your AI projects with. So um, AI is used to solve the wrong problems. One example that is given is that um, a company that is trying to win their customers that are um, yeah, that that try to leave uh, the, the tel telco company, for example, um, and the question that is asked the AI team to predict is who is the most uh, likely person to leave and the most likely customer to, to leave. Um, this is something um, AI can predict very, very well and um, which yeah, which shows the, what AI is capable of, but in uh, in a result, this is not what brings the company the most uh, the most benefit out of this AI projects because um, it's not especially important who's most likely to leave. But the question that should should have been asked is who is most likely uh, able to be convinced to stay longer as our customer. So. Um, if you think about having some, some marketing um, offers for those customers who are likely to leave, uh, it does make more sense to invest this money in um, customers that are likely to, to be convinced to continue with this company, but not in those uh, who are most likely to leave and maybe cannot be convinced anyway. So um, this is one example on um, how if the wrong questions are asked, the results of AI are very accurate, but it does not help the business on, on this way. Um, there was another example on, um, on a gaming company that tried to, um, yeah, to, to have the revenues out of uh, the in-game in uh, sales, um, um, yeah, like maximize them, but uh, they also tried to, to, to ask the questions how can we um, how can we have the people playing longer in our game which worked very well but it does not mean uh, just because you play longer within in the game you spend more money so the question should have been who is more likely to be convinced to um, to spend more money in the game so um, that is the first point. Um, what a common mistake uh, is when starting your AI project. The second one is to um, to find out 
uh, what does it cost to be right and what does it, uh, so the value to be right and the value uh, of being wrong. Uh, like these two aspects uh, bringing together um, the, yeah, the, the most benefit uh, of, of the AI project. So um, the important uh, sentence I found is that not all prediction errors are equally important. So um, when we have a volume forecasting, for example, uh, the company can achieve a better forecast um, in total, but uh, for, for a company with different kinds of products, low margin products, high margin products, uh, it would be better to optimize, especially for the high margin products. And if you uh, optimize for the whole, you might get better in the, in the low margin products uh, forecasting, but you lose a lot in, in the, uh, yeah, in, in the high margin ones. So, um, it's always important to find out um, where do, do mistakes um, do cost me a lot or where do I have to be especially right because this is the benefit of the project. Um, yeah, so let's switch to the, um, to the third um common mistake that is highlighted, that uh, the strengths of AI are not leveraged. Um, for example, uh, if you have a hotel chain that can, the AI can be used to predict uh, what is the best price to, to sell our rooms. Um, and the, the AI could uh, have uh, yeah, like an hourly price change uh, to always find the optimum hotel price, like in the evening, uh, it's uh, the price should be higher because people tend to book in the evening and not uh, during the day um, or other other um, day, yeah, other differences in daytime. So, um, but if the decisions um, are made only once a week by the management team and uh, they only ask the, the AI um, team only once a week which which pri price should we fix for the hotel room prices. Um, they do not uh, benefit most uh, what they could. So these are the common mistakes um, that are highlighted. And um, as we already see here, most of them um, are based on communication because the ones that, that need information uh, need to talk to the AI team so that the AI team knows what to focus on when to, um, to start. So what does the article suggest to do about these problems? Um, it suggests a framework um, uh, in which yeah in, in which questions should be asked to to uh, follow through the project. Um, and the first one is, um, as you might uh, already uh, uh, think about, is that the exact problem should be defined very, very clear, very precise and unambiguous. Um, so they use the term of uh, an atomic level. Yeah? So what is the smallest unit for which a decision can be made? This uh, should be part of the handover, the uh, 
between the marketing team and the AI team to work on this. Um, and what could help the teams to find a common uh, language or common understanding is to exactly um, like make clear how predict predictions will be used. So if we say you're, we will use our budget uh, on on marketing um, offers to to our customers in in the in the ranking you will give us. So the marketing uh, team uh, lets the AI team know uh, how they will use the outcome of uh, of the project. That will help a lot to. Um, to find a common common understanding of, of the problem. Uh, the second idea that, that should be talked about between the parties, so the AI team and the marketing team, is uh, if there is uh, waste, uh, or what, what waste could, uh, could be within the project and what is missed opportunity. So, um, To have this within a uh, within an example, uh, the um, airlines would usually uh, have two, yeah, let's say uh, two two kinds of waste they um, they can figure out. So the first one, if they sell their seats too quickly, and the second one, if they uh, have the price too high and uh, the seats are at the end not used. So. Um, To find the equivalent for for this uh, within the AI project is um, is a very good uh, a good activity to to focus on what is necessary. So um, to go back to our telco company that wants to win back the customers, it, you don't need to uh, to make offers to customers that will not uh, or cannot be persuaded at all. Uh, whereas uh, people um, that uh, customers that would not have left, um, but we thought they they would leave, uh, it would also be a, a waste of of money to make them an offer to uh, stay with better conditions. So um, to identify these uh, possible um, waste uh, within the um, the marketing budget uh, is a good opportunity to find a common a common understanding as well. Um, what is the third step? So the third step um, they uh, they suggest is that uh, there should should be uh, the the process of prediction decision uh, that will be made of the out of the prediction and what business outcome do we uh, expect of it that this should be a very clear connection which can also be um, checked afterwards so uh, the important thing is to um, find not only correlation like uh, People that play longer also spend more money, but not all people that play longer spend more money in the game. So uh, it needs to be causation, not only correlation. Um, yeah, so that is is the um, maybe the the hardest point uh, to uh, really focus on the business outcome, but uh, to have this chain of prediction, decision, and business outcome very clear uh, could help to bridge this communication gap between um, marketing side and AI side. 
Um, this will then um, like help the project in uh, in total to uh, to have prediction errors, uh, the cost of prediction errors down, and uh, the potential of um, more precise predictions will be used uh, at this fullest. Yeah, that was the main points of the framework which I wanted to uh, to introduce. And um, I'm happy to hear your thoughts about it. If you already have some um, some experience, also in especially marketing, which the article is about, and if we can also see it in a broader view that these, especially the communication part, I think is not only marketing specific, but uh, worth for every or um, important for every project. Thank you very much, Nicole. Uh, and uh, I, I'm very happy that you found that article. And on the other hand, I'm actually very proud to, to see that that the Harvard Business Review actually came to the same conclusion, uh, like uh, you know we did ten years ago. Um, because if you look at that, and that's very very nice. If if you look at the suggestions they make, that they say, you know, before that or right now in a lot of projects. Um, business is decoupled from IT or business is decoupled from data. Uh, we heard in the uh, in the talk from Satya when he talked about enterprise architecture, you know, everything is uh, when you had this enterprise architecture for zero, you know, you, you had IT mistakes being happening uh, because there's no business correlation or business uh, link to it. And we saw that, you know, what you, what you predicted there, uh, what you uh, told us there is exactly the same thing. You know, so you don't ask the right question. Why? Because there's no, you know, initial business case. What, what would we do in our, you know, normal project management? Or when you say, okay, you, you miss A and B and C clients out of it. If the, if the A client would be the most important thing, like you, which you said about the high margin and low margins, then, um, you know, these mistakes would not happen. And uh, on the other hand, you know, what you described as communication, you know, that the strength of AI is not leveraged, that we see that, um, you know, a lot of data people don't have the, you know, the motivation or uh, the skin, uh, skin in the game when it comes to business value to actually educate the business people or marketing people to uh, create real business value. And um, if, if we would follow our, you know, our uh, methodology of, you know, business value, employer value and uh, um, uh, customer value, then I think we already could solve a lot of these problems. And um, just to, to finalize that, what I really like is when they suggested their framework, that they say they need to quantify waste. But waste, as we all know, is uh, one of the standard terms when it comes to lean. Right. I mean, we, we want to avoid waste. Uh, so basically, by analyzing that, they they came to the conclusion that using a lean framework, um, as the Japanese uh, had started already in the 80s, um, then uh, we can solve a lot of problems they have today. And um, so and then when they said they need to quantify this is, you know, we have a lot of project and product managers here today. Yes. You know, defining and quantifying that that's what we do. And uh, for me personally, it's a very nice thing to see that regardless what project you have or what, what problem you have, it always comes down to communication, 
clear definition and uh, quantification. So, um, yeah, I, I like it very much. Thank you very much, Nicole. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks a lot, Nicole. And uh, I just want to add, um, you know, one one point also, apart from the, info, uh, the, the overall framework you walked us through, uh, is um, having the right data set uh, for your predictions, right? So basically, that's, again, it goes without saying, uh, but, you know, based on the business value you're trying to realize, uh, you need to also make sure that uh, the information that is available for these uh, um, for these algorithms uh, and um, obviously uh, is, is the right information because uh, and that could be a more uh, a, a costly mistake. I wouldn't use the word costly, but um, it'll be a, it'll be a, a quite a big mistake not to have the right data set. Right. And the other thing is in your prediction, decision making and business outcome, that point, uh, I think the depending on the the uh, cost of prediction error, you also need to bring a human in the loop uh, into some of these decision makings, right? So I guess uh, not all decision making uh, within uh, marketing should be driven by uh, uh, driven by machines. But, uh, you know, depending on that, I think I think th these are all very important points. And I'm, I'm glad to uh, that you've actually shared um, this framework, because this is not just applicable to marketing only, but this can be applicable to any of the AI projects or uh, right that, that are out there, right? So uh, it's it's important. Uh, th thank you, Nicole. Thank you. I think the point about having the data that was uh, the first article I talked about. That's the reason why, especially in marketing, AI is so uh, so often used because you have a lot of data, especially if you have an online business. Um, uh, I think that's the main um, reason for for the yeah really uh, really good start of AI in marketing. Mm -hmm. Um, because there you have the data where you, in, in other parts of, of uh, the business, sometimes you don't have. Yeah. But but that's basically the point with the connection to marketing, because I think I totally agree with the framework and everything. What I'm not, perhaps I'm missing it because I did not read the article. Uh, is there any particular connection to marketing here? Because, you know, it's like something I would apply to basically anything like... Um, so it's more like a base, best practice. Um. So, so I understood it that way, that um, especially in marketing, because maybe marketing is, is, a, is a business unit that is not that IT-minded. I don't know, maybe that's, that's a wrong, um, wrong prejudice from my side, but uh, especially this communication cap, gap was highlighted a lot. So uh, yeah, if you... Probably, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm now in a project with car data. It's like, uh, so they're more IT minded, but some issues are the same. So, yeah, but probably it's the also thing what you mentioned before. Um, sorry. Um, it's, a, it's the thing you mentioned before. There's a lot of data. I think also the second point with marketing is like when you consider the, the errors and the impact of errors, you know, it's not that bad. You know, it's not health decisions. It's not, it's something where it's quite feasible because you have a lot of data you, the errors are kind of yeah so so the so if something goes wrong it's 
probably not that bad. You don't kill somebody. <laughs> so, um, so probably it's just a good area to start with. And But the framework for me is pretty general. I have to... Yeah, if you, I mean, the, the, the reason why they use marketing a lot is on the one hand, uh, the problems we always had with AI projects is to calculate the return on investment. And uh, for marketing or sales activities, that's pretty easy. Um, because, you know, you have a campaign and then you sell uh, 20% more car seats. Yeah? Or you have a campaign and then 15% more people go in the, uh, in the movie theater. So, so the return on investment for marketing is, is relatively easy to, um, to explain. And, and then on the other hand, although, you know, Salesforce, uh, Sugar CRM, these are all tools where, uh, where sales is um, collecting a lot of easy data. I call them easy data because if you use the AI models behind that, Uh, they would all belong to these um, uh, groups we call interpretable AI, which would be, for example, a regression regression model uh, with five variables, right? You don't have an, when, when you think about it, you, you use for good um, uh, picture identification, you have uh, models with 16 million variables. So uh, a normal, let's say, layman person can't understand the relation between these uh, variables And um, marketing has always been playing around with, you know, these kind of regression models, which were not even AI. It's just normal, you know, inferential statistic model that you say, this is your zip code. This is the amount of kids you have. That's your uh, uh, income. And then we predict your ability to or your pot or your um, inclination to buy a product. So making that jump from from this, let's say, model model-oriented uh, uh, thinking to, to AI was very, very easy for them. Then you agree with me that it's basically the, the focus on marketing is like a feasibility focus and not something the framework really implies. No, no. I mean, that was my point from the beginning. Uh, the, the framework we are using for all AI projects is this Lean Six Sigma um, uh, framework which basically, and this is what they actually, they, they try to reinvent the Lean Six Sigma framework. It, it's for uh, all AI projects. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of the main points of this article are also generic, as Anna said. So um, looking at implementing AI in any organization, um, it's, of course, very, very important to correctly define the problem. So to, to be clear with all stakeholders, um, formulating what, what are we solving for and then putting in place uh, how we're going to do it. So the human element in order to design the AI model and the data needed to be able to solve the problem and how to optimize for it. And then the other thing is uh, looking at the impact of error is also super important, as mentioned by Nicole and uh, in the article. So basically looking at the cost of being right versus being wrong and uh, and what what would be the cost of the prediction errors so that to optimize the model accordingly. I think also what's very nice about this is that you raise awareness on the business side for that, because I think sometimes the errors are considered something technical, but they aren't, you know, it's something you can only, um, so, the, so, the, so these real, diff uh, yeah, so these real bad errors happen not only at data science, so there's no clue of the business cannot really figure them out. It's not a technical thing that 
coding went wrong, but it's something which often really lies intrinsically in the data. So it's like kind of good to uh, to raise this awareness on the business side, especially to have a look at the errors right from the beginning of a project. I also like this very much. Yeah, so also if you, you if you think about what to do with the errors, or one example was if, if you have this marketing campaign and try to win back customers. So what is uh, what is um, worse, like losing a customer that would potentially uh, be able to be convinced to stay longer, or um, sending a promotion to a customer that would not be convinced anyway. So because it's so in uh, let's say cheap to to send a promotion to to the customers it's more uh, more likely or it's better to uh, to spread the, um, the the campaign more broadly because then you uh, you target people that are probably uh, not 100 percent uh, possible to win back but um, it's uh, so it would be yeah, it would be worse to to just lose a customer because you did not send uh, send him the um, the promotion. So it's uh, like having the cost and the benefits of being wrong and being right um, and talk about it. What should we do? Should we more focus on uh, let's let's just identify if I really the one hundred percent candidates, or is it also okay to have the eighty percent candidates? So. Um, this, I think talking about this would uh, would help the whole project being more focused on on what to optimize for. Uh, Anna, you said you, you you're working in the uh, AI space. I mean, you you must have seen projects like that. I'm always a little bit uh, uh, puzzled when people don't really focus on revenue when when they do these kind of projects. What is your experience in, in the past with these kind of projects? Is it's the business and data side? Are they not connected, or is that not wished for? Yeah, most of the time. <laughs> so okay, in my experience at least, yeah. So it's like uh, it's a business decision to try something with data and AI, and then they. Uh, just pass it over to other people. I think sometimes really it's not like, yeah, this joint view is sometimes missing. Also, you know, like not only business versus data side, but also so there are hierarchies which are should, should somehow treat it as a whole thing. Yeah. So, but. Are, are you using some sort of, let's say, AI project management framework in these projects or? Well, no, no particular framework, no. But it's like basically, I think, if, so. So it's like a bit common sense to like focus on on those issues, but it's not something we pulled out of a textbook. No. Okay. Markus, what what is your view on that? Well, actually, I, I would like to add one point on that because what I'm a little bit missing in this framework is maybe some um, lever to improve like an organizational change to get business and the um, data science team to collaborate closer with one another like in um, like down here number three there is the point that subject matter experts and data science should work together more closely but um, the paper I think does not really give any um, good advice on maybe how to improve knowledge about the business sites on in the data science scientist camp or on the um, marketing camp about what can AI solve actually. 
So um, I think there should be some overarching um, measures to improve the understanding between those two. Because also, I mean, the first the first um, um, idea here is to, for example, uh, to clearly specify the marketing problem. But if you don't have somebody who knows both the marketing sites and the data science side, you don't have a person who can do it. So you need that person. And there should be some organizational measure to do it. Yeah, I mean, uh, the OCM takes a very important, um, uh, you know, a part of any any change, right? So specifically AI side, right? So I think Marcus, you got a very good point. Uh, the uh, organization change uh, management is only possible if the uh, if this these initiatives are mainly led by business uh, and. You know, I think I think this is where I mentioned in the in the previous um, uh, session that business-led IT would be the way way to go uh, forward, right? So the majority of the problems that you will be solving are business problems, right? Uh, because you know, those are the things that you will be solving, and making sure that the subject matter expert is very well aware of the tools that he has got in his disposal uh, for, to solve those problems is very important. It doesn't have to be a data scientist, right? I mean, obviously you have to draw a line, right? Uh, but but the subject matter expert is is also need to know what are the different uh, tools available. And here's where companies have to invest in actually educating their business uh, subject matter experts on how, uh, what, you know, uh, give give them some background, and, and you know, and uh, this is very important of investing uh, in 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 your in your people, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, it's important. But mm -hmm. uh, one thing yeah. I want to also add here is the continuous improvement, Nicole. So I don't know if there is any, because it's not like it. You you set up a project and let it run. You got to really also invest in uh, making sure that the the problem continues to be observed and uh, you're getting the right uh, you, you're you're putting the framework to actually uh, uh, continuously monitor uh, you know your your uh, AI investment right yeah, I, I think this article was more about the setup um, yeah. uh, the uh, con continuous um, uh, let's say operation was not really uh, on focus here. I, I think so. It, it's it's. I think it was more like how to set up, and even if this is not really um, yeah, explained explicitly, all these questions that are asked are. Uh, I think the idea behind is that the AI uh, data science team uh, and the um, business side would work on them together and that would maybe create this uh, uh yeah uh this organizational change that marcus was was looking for but it was not really explicitly um written there but but i think the questions that that, that are suggested should help them uh finding a solution together and do you have any suggestions i mean for our listeners you know they they um they, they like to get answers from professionals. So how do you make a data scientist understand, or somebody from an AI team, understand the need for 
revenue? Uh, you know, how do they get the skin in the game that you that they sit down and say, okay, I need to educate the business side so much so that we all can uh, earn more money. How do you do that? I don't really have a good answer to that because I, I more until now I, I more had the feeling like like Anna that um, yeah customers try to start within the AI uh, field and they are not at the moment not uh, not yet really looking for the revenue side so maybe that's also a problem um, but maybe. Uh, The other panelists can have some insights on that. I, I actually cannot answer this question very good. Yeah, yeah. He, here's where Ansgar companies are actually looking at that overarching, um, you know, uh, overarching uh, personnel that will be actually work, uh, educating the business on the technology side and the technology side on the business. So you need that whether you call. Um, Uh, an EA framework or you call a project management framework or you call, you know, something that uh, there, there is a, there has to be a bridge in, and companies have to actually start looking at uh, investing in that where you, you find a team that is sitting uh, across the both the teams and educating because you will never find a data scientist who is business savvy right out of the gate. Right. So you need to make sure that, Uh, you know, there there is an overarching bridge, right? So that that that's where people like you and me come into picture, right? So uh, you know, we we need to really uh, we need to, we, because that, that's it's it's key and it's important for successful AI adoptions, right? Not just AI adoptions, but successful transformations, right? Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, that that's what uh, I feel. Uh, but yeah, uh, any anybody else to add? I also think you really have to educate the business side because you know sometimes they just considered in a way like it would be just standard software development so you have like a bunch of specifications you put it to someone so you give the data to someone and then they come back with results but that that you also have to tell them the whole story that you even have to work together on the whole story i think that's the that's the most important time and perhaps sometimes very often now you need translators who go in now but you know best case would be that you create like a data literacy on the business side and a business literacy on the data side and that's a total cultural change you have to implement into companies so otherwise you know it's it's just not write this 20 lines of code it's just different it's um just much more just much more goes together i believe so have you seen that have that, i seen that that it works Or, yeah, that, that this dual education on both sides and well of course some of the new like this tiny new startups which where you have a lot of young people which really focus on that they do exactly that that's why i'm good in that especially for example in this marketing field there are you know there's startups which really have nice small solution i think there are more the big companies struggling in implementing it and of course it works but i think that's why it's easier for startups because they start with their new own culture and it's just much more work and then we come back to what marcus before said there's a lot of culture organizational change to like implement this and how to make like so some people are just like you know they 
get a bunch of data scientists, put them in like a, a new department, and then those data scientists alone get from time to time some data. This obviously doesn't work. How would they learn? So it's like I think I think we have to educate a lot to bring the worlds together. That's mm. that's the key to success here, I believe. Yeah, I mean to, to be very honest, a few years ago I was much more optimistic, and then we, you know. We, we started to uh, actually test people personality testing because there's some there's some theory that if somebody's very open for a new thing that you can train them easier so so we try to find out the people with high levels of openness um, on both sides and then try to train them um, but that didn't really yield a lot of success so um, because it was a very long process and then the re you know if we go to the business side and say you know we have this two-year plan here, you know, they, they, they hardly, you know, they like to have quarterly results. So, and then they, they always ask for solutions which are, can be, you know, translated in a, in a quarter. So cultural change in a quarter is, is very hard, you know? So, so, so that's why, you know, we thought like, okay, then we come in as translators, uh, but trend, you know, giving somebody, well, but, uh, that's, but that's, that's kind of the feasible solution that you yeah. like just uh, as a consultant or whatever, you just push from the side, you'd start creating results. But if you, if you don't, don't facilitate this yeah. cultural change, you know, it breaks down again when you leave. So, yeah. and I think that's at least not what I want to achieve with my work. So, yeah. so doing both the same time is, um, yeah, I think for me, a bit kind of fit my job description. Yeah. Okay. And and how is it done from the data side? I mean, I, I understand the business side. You know, we need to be educated, and you know, the the lack of AI, uh, you know, literacy is uh, staggering. You know, or data or, uh, or IT. But from the data side, how, how would you achieve that? I mean, um, how how do you make a data person interested in the overall revenue of the company? Because it all boils down to business value. You know, all the questions we had here, you know, it's, you can always ask the question, how much revenue do I lose? How much revenue do I make? And um, do you, do you, so, so for some reason, I think you, you experienced that issue because from the data scientists, I know there was never so much the problem. They were sometimes a bit too far away, but they were also always, so, so because no one would help them figure out the right questions. They made their own questions where sometimes we're wrong because they did not have the information. But if you take them together in discussion, I never had so much their issue that they just wouldn't say, okay, no business revenue, I'm just not interested. So at least this, this does not really line up with my experience with data scientists. But um, no, 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 I mean, the, the setup, this was the third point of, of Nicole, yeah. when they said, okay, you have to, you know, strength, the strength is not leveraged. So if the AI side is not willing to fully understand the complete business model and the complete revenue model of the company, they would not know which kind of model to push or what kind of elements to educate the business side on. So they basically have to put on the head of the CEO you know, and or the glasses of the CEO, and to really think that, and I to be an entrepreneur, you know, and and I didn't really find a lot of data scientists who, by nature, are entrepreneurs. They're special meta expert in their field, but they are not business people in a sense that you know I invested 50% of this my own money into this company. I saw it in startups, but not in bigger companies where, you know, where, where you hire somebody in a data team because he's a specialist in a field and not a generalist. 
And business people, as a business people in the sense of a CEO or an owner or founder, they're mostly generalists. So that's what I experienced. Mm -hmm. I mean, prove me wrong or tell me otherwise. I mean, no, no, it's really so for me, it's more a communication issue that you, but it's, um, but perhaps I just did not come across um, those problems. So, so I, I think really you have to like evaluate the ideas together. You have to have an open discussion, and that's that's why it's always an organizational issue. So mm -hmm. it's not you just cannot lock the group of data scientists into a room, give feed them data, and hope that something reasonable comes out. You have to like evaluate the results. You have to explain. So both directions have to explain their. So I think it has to be a discussion. But yeah, definitely. I think it boils down to a discussion and to, to having the data scientists being implicated in the process of how we're solving the issue and to for them to, to, to actually see and realize the impact of their decisions and of their models and how they affect the overall revenues of the company. Yeah, I, I think to, to be very honest, that, that's... But a lot of companies, they outsource to AI companies, right? I mean, they say, okay, we, we need somebody to develop the model. And then this is exactly what Anna and Renoir said. You know, you just give it to them and they do it for you and they give it back. Um, but I, I think that, that that's a complete... But that, that will not work though, Ansgar. I think uh, yeah, you need exactly. to have... It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't work. We right? all agree we, on that, yeah. We all agree on that, yeah. So even if you, you know, for all our listeners who have outsourcing partners, um, you know, they really have to change their model. Because as you say, if they have to bring the AI or the data scientists into the business idea thinking, innovation workshops, you know, the whole outsourcing model needs to, um, needs to change. Okay, perfect. Thank you very much, everyone. I, I see the time has passed. Um, thank you very much for this lively discussion. Um, you know, thank you very much, Nicole, for giving us this talk. And uh, Anna and Markus and uh, Norman and Renoir and Satya and Isao for being here today. And uh, the podcast will be available um, you know, within 24 hours. And I'm looking forward to see you all next week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thanks a lot. Thank Bye. 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 Bye.